Organ and tissue donation affects more than those that receive its gifts. We can continue to be proud of him. We can continue to talk about him, and uh, it's quite the legacy that we can be proud of. That's Heather Runyon, a donor wife who will share her story about how tissue donation has impacted her and her family and the comforts it has provided them. Welcome to Let's Talk Hope. I'm your co-host, Lauren Plavnik, Community Affairs Specialist for Gift of Hope Organ and Tissue Donor Network. And I'm your other co-host, Marian Shuck, Vice President of Governmental Relations and External Affairs. Our hope is that this podcast will share inspiring stories of hope through organ, eye, and tissue donation while discussing the importance of how your overall health and well-being plays a critical role in the donation process. In this episode, we're going to talk about Gift of Hope Organ and Tissue Donor Network, an organ procurement organization that coordinates organ and tissue donation and services to families of donors in the northern three quarters of Illinois and Northwest Indiana. We'll also speak with Heather Runyon, a donor wife who has a very personal connection to donation. First, we're going to speak with Dr. Harry Wilkins, President and CEO of Gift of Hope. Hi, Harry. Thank you so much for joining us today. First, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to join Gift of Hope? I went to medical school, became a doctor, and for 36 years, I have been a surgeon, a trauma surgeon, and have moved all around the country. Throughout my whole career, I've been involved in organ donation on the provider side, on the doctor side of things. Um, As I got more and more and more involved in it, uh, I got more and more leadership roles within the organ donation uh, community, first locally, and then uh, regionally, and then nationally, and even internationally. And so earlier this year, when the previous CEO announced his intentions that he would be stepping down, I uh, looked into Gift of Hope close, more closely and determined this was a good time for me to move from taking care of patients one at a time to actually moving the whole organization forward as the industry moves forward. Great. Thank you. Harry, there's a lot of conversation about understanding the process of donation, understanding the importance of being registered, and people not being educated um, on the process and really believing in a lot of myths and misconceptions. Can you tell us about how Gift of Hope becomes involved in the organ donation process? Marion, we come by it honestly. Uh, I think organ donation is a lot more uh, complex than a lot of people understand. A lot of times what we know about donation, if you're not in the medical community or know more about it, it's what we see on TV. And there's just so much more to it than that. First of all, I think you know people understand if organ donation happens, that means unfortunately someone has lost their life. That is a tragic, tragic event. And there are a number of decisions that have to be made, a, no, a number of processes that have to be coordinated within a certain amount of time. And in a sense, that's what organ procurement organizations do. They coordinate all of those activities. And it starts with the notification to the OPO that someone has died, and that has to happen fairly timely. At that point, the family member has to be engaged. of the time, these are very traumatic events. It starts, I would say, with the designation process. Here in the United States, when you are an adult, 
you have the right to self-determination. That means you have the ability to decide what happens to you upon your death. If you have already decided what you want to do, that's called first-person authorization. You have already given consent. No one can overturn that, uh, and no one has to guess what your consent is. After that has been done, there's the coordination between the transplant center who is uh, managing all of the potential recipients. There's the management of the person who, once they have, have died, those organs need to be managed so that they are suitable to go in someone else. So it is a pretty complex process. Thanks for telling us about that, Harry. We're currently in unprecedented times with the pandemic. How has Gift of Hope had to pivot, not just in hospitals, but with other key partnerships such as public education and community partners? Uh, I would say number one, how we interface with people. Um, typically what members of Gift of Hope will do, the coordinators will be right there with the family members. Uh, they're often sitting, spending hours with family members, helping them through this process. And with COVID, as you know, we've not been able to have that contact. So that's been over the phone, or it's been virtual, or it's been using FaceTime devices or something like of that nature. We also used to just be in hospitals, um, interfacing with the community. That's been uh, curtailed. And so we've really had to get very creative in terms of how we connect with our, our um, donor families and loved ones. Carrie, there's been a lot of conversation around Gift of Hope being a top performing OPO, having a great reputation within the designated donation area that we serve. But there's been a lot in the news about CMS metrics, performance of OPOs. Can you tell us a little bit about what that conversation is? what the metrics mean to Gift of Hope, and how is Gift of Hope planning to adapt to the change? Sure. There is a term in management that says what gets measured gets managed. And so if you were to ask someone, um, how is that restaurant? And you could say, oh, it's, the restaurant's okay, but how is the restaurant actually measured? Are you talking about the quality of the food? Is it the um, how clean the food is, how many um, star ratings they've gotten. Everything has to have a certain measure. And it's no real difference in the organ procurement uh, world. Um, the measurements that we look at as an industry to determine how well you are performing as an organ procurement organization is you look at what the whole potential pool of organ donors are and then you look at the number of actual organ donors that come out of that entire pool, and then you do the math and you decide how well you're performing. And so there's been a lot of debate about what those measurements or metrics should look like. There have been some debate in terms of what actually goes into the denominator and what goes into the numerator to come up with that metric. The bottom line is, is how well are we doing at converting potential donors to actual donors? When we look at those metrics, Marion, Gift of Hope does quite well. Um, of all the 58 OPOs, we're in the top tier of those. That metric, however, will change. As the CEO and president of the, of the organization, the tack that I have taken and talked with my team about is that regardless of how you're going to measure it, 
we will continue to focus on those things that we know help convert potential donors to actual donors. Those are how often we're um, interfacing with the family, how well we're informing the public, how well we're serving the family, how well we're working with other organizations such as transplant centers, other organ procurement organizations, hospitals, and our hospital partners. What is your vision for the community and the hospital partners and our legislators? And what would you like them to know about Gift of Hope's future? The vision is um, we have what's called a national waiting list. And Marion, you know as well as anyone, there are over 100,000 people in this country waiting on a life-saving organ. Um, those people are highly dependent upon us as organ procurement organizations to find that appropriate organ for them. So my vision for Gift of Hope is that we will put ourselves out of business. We will end that wait list. We will do collectively such a good job that anyone who needs an organ will get one when they need it. So that's a bold, overarching vision that I believe is truly achievable. What I want our community partners to know is that in order to achieve that vision, we truly need a partnership with everyone who touches the organ donation process. And honestly, Marion, that's everyone. That is every single one of us. It, organ donation and organ failure is non-discriminatory. It may affect different populations differently, but everyone either has a need or knows someone who has a need uh, for organ donation, or they have the potential to be an organ donor. So in order to achieve that ambitious goal, it has to be a true partnership from legislators, hospital administrators, community partners, hospital partners, and the community. Um, so what, what my vision is, is that there will be no wait list. And what my goal is, is to truly partner with everyone who touches the process to achieve that mission. Harry, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice or one piece of information about organ donation or gift of hope, what would that be? It would be to sign up to be an organ donor and then discuss that decision with your family. I think the number one block that we come into when we approach families in this awfully tragic state is we'll hear family members saying, I just wish I knew what they wanted. And so it's not just enough to sign up to be an organ donor, discuss that decision with your family. That would be my message to leave to everyone listening to this podcast. I think that's a truly important message, and um, I hope our listeners will hear that and join the registry. Next, we're joined by Heather Runyon. Heather's husband, Dan, passed away in February 2018, and he continues to save and enhance lives through the gift of organ and tissue donation. Heather, tell me more about your husband, Dan, and how you became involved with Gift of Hope. Um, I am a donor wife. My husband, again, he, he passed away uh, suddenly. And about five hours later, I had a phone call from the Gift of Hope. Um, his name was Teddy. And I will never forget uh, Teddy. He had such an amazing, comforting voice. He was so patient. I, I wasn't expecting the phone call. Obviously, my mind wasn't at uh, tissue or, or organ donation after uh, Dan passed away, it had never crossed my mind. And then again, about five hours later, uh, I got this phone call that reminding me that Dan was a donor. And 
um, at first I was in shock and I really couldn't believe that they were calling me five hours later, but I knew that I needed to proceed with this phone call because Dan made it very clear that he, this was his wish, uh, if this were to ever happen, that, that he would want to be an organ or tissue donator. He could not imagine being buried or, or cremated or, or whatever anybody's wish was with such valuable gifts that could go to other people. So it was about a 20 minute phone call. And uh, obviously the questions were ranging from all sorts of different topics, some very, very difficult, um, but I, I knew that the questions needed to be answered in order for Dan to be a potential donor. Um, but I have to say that Teddy was amazing. He offered many opportunities for breaks. He also gave me a heads up if he thought that these questions were difficult. And it just, it, it was a, it was a good process for, you know, the time, uh, the time that it took place. I know people often say, oh, I know how you feel. Um, as a donor wife, um, about a year and a half ago as well, uh, my husband um, succumbed while we were out riding our bikes. I can really say I know how you feel. And also my husband was a tissue donor as well. Can you tell me if everyone in your family supported Dan's choice to become a donor? Was he registered? You mentioned that you all had the conversation, but was he registered on his own? And if not, how did you make that decision to go ahead and say yes in what was your most difficult time? He was a registered donor. He was registered. It was on his driver's license. And and that's how I was prepared, at least for that phone call, because uh, Teddy had shared that, you know, Dan was a registered donor. And I and, you know, at first, you know, again, I got home from the hospital five hours later, you know, at this because he was a tissue donor. You know, they didn't necessarily uh, approach me in the hospital about him being a donor. So it was about five hours after he passed away and it was over the phone. And of course, you know, my family and Dan's family were like, why don't you just wait and take the phone call? And I'm thinking, I just need to get it over with. So in the moment, it's very difficult. And it was difficult for my children because they weren't sure exactly what that meant. And so I was very upfront with them about um, how he was able to help other people. And, you know, he may not be physically here, but he will always be in our hearts and we will always have our memories of him. And this is a gift that he decided to do for other people. So that way they could have, you know, better lives and be able to do things that they've not been able to do. Um, so explaining to them, you know, why it's important and that this is something that we can be proud of. Uh, he was able to give all of these gifts. And in fact, I was able to follow up with the gift of hope and they shared with me that he's been able to provide gifts to over 200 people. And that in itself is so amazing. That was so overwhelming. I can't believe the amount of gifts uh, through skin and bone and ligaments and his corneas that he's able to help that many people. That is just an overwhelming number. And again, I keep just reassuring our family that we can continue to be proud of him. We can continue to talk about him. We can continue to be proud of him. 
And uh, it's quite the legacy that we can be proud of. So Heather, what is the most surprising part of the donation process that you learned? And how has your husband becoming a donor positively impacted your life? The most surprising thing I will say is like I shared was the amount of people that my husband was able to help. And the fact that I was able to um, be become a part of an organization that in, in honestly, I uh, did not know existed. I did not know about the gift of hope. I did not know about the services that they had provided. You know, I was invited to go to a ceremony honoring my husband and the gifts that he gave. Um, that was just a beautiful thing. I was able to get connected to some of the different people uh, within the gift of hope. I've been able to be a guest speaker. I've been able to, you know, share my story in different platforms through the gift of hope. And so that's just been such an amazing part for me. I feel that organ and tissue donation can absolutely be a gift to the recipients of the gifts, but I don't think people realize the gift it can become to a donor family. And that has been such a a wonderful comfort. It's been a way for us to proceed with our grieving process in a positive way, as you can imagine. Again, I can't stress enough how much it makes us uh, proud of what my husband has been able to give. I'm so glad that organ and tissue donation has been able to provide you a comfort in some very hard times. Can you talk about any myths you maybe had to overcome? Um, It does sound like you had a good idea about Dan's choice to become a donor, but even so, were there any misconceptions and myths that you encountered? Yes, I, I did not know that the organ and tissue retrieval was done by the gift of hope. I had always, uh, you know, figured that it was because of, uh, you know, the the doctors or the hospitals did it. So I will say that it is uh, nice to know that, you know, a gift of hope is part of that retrieval process, because I think there's some myths about, you know, the doctors may not do anything extra in terms of life-saving measures because of the myth that, you know, they may get a kickback for organ and tissue donation. So I, uh, fortunately, I was able to uh, do a fundraiser for the Gift of Hope. My husband was an avid uh, runner. He was working on training for the Chicago Marathon when he passed away. And so when he passed away in February, um, I have a good friend, his name is Sean Hudson. He had helped me organize a virtual marathon in Dan's honor. And I was able to raise uh, $2,000 for the Gift of Hope. And so I was invited to go to the Gift of Hope and uh, make a presentation. And they they were able to put me in touch with Teddy, the person that I uh, talked with on the phone to be able to to speak with him and let him know how much he impacted me on the most tragic day of my life um, and how he was able to help me navigate through that process in a very caring and endearing way. And then I was able to meet three out of the four 
nursing staff that did the retrievals on my husband and to be able to face-to-face thank them for being so caring and treating my husband with, with dignity and respect and being able to share with them a statistic that they were an indirect help of providing over 200 people with these gifts. So because they did so well and, and, and did their job so delicately and amazingly, they were indirectly helping 200 people just through my husband. Thank you so much, Heather. And as you navigate being a donor wife, a donor family, what are some things that you would say to other donor families who are experiencing this, who have suffered a tragedy and just don't know what to think or what to do? What are some words of wisdom that you can impart to them? Of course, when you lose your loved one, you immediately go through such a ray of emotion. And at that time, you are not thinking about what the next processes are or what maybe your wish of your loved one is. When, you're, when you are in that moment of, you know, in my situation, I lost my husband. He was 45. We have two children. We were married for 18 years. He's so young. What am I going to do? And so you're, you're not thinking very clearly and you're actually, you're quite thinking very selfishly at that point because, you know, what are you going to do? And if a donor family could just see the future impact that their loved one could make, I'm telling you, it's a life-changing experience. If they can just get past that moment of grief, which is extremely difficult I I will tell you, I cried through the whole phone call, but I knew that that's what my husband wanted. And then I, again, I had no idea the gift that I would be getting from my husband, my children, uh, my husband's parents, my parents, our family, our friends, the gift that I as a donor wife would receive in terms of the, the gifts that my husband was able to give. I'm so proud of him. I am able to continue to talk about him. You know, sometimes, you know, when people pass away, you go through the service and you go through the burial. And, you know, sometimes that's where your grief ends. You're just left with memories. But instead, this gift of being a donor, it allows me to continue to talk about Dan. It allows me to continue to be proud of him. And it allows me these opportunities through the gift of hope to share my story to be a part of a family of donors. We share our experiences. We share how it makes us feel. It is difficult. It is very difficult to think about the process of donation physically when they have to go in and they have to retrieve tissue, they have to retrieve organs. You know, it's a very difficult thought, but if people can just get past that and and look at it as, you know, this is a gift, a, a legacy, your loved one can can be a legacy for others to have them continue either bettering their lives. Um, actually, I'll tell you, I got a letter from a recipient of a uh, ligament in her foot, and she wrote us a handwritten letter. She was able to dance again for the very first time in several years. And you know, uh, we received two letters from donors that uh, received some tissue from my husband. And 
I will tell you, it does. It gives me great pride and joy to see that, that my husband has been able to provide those two people and, you know, 200 others a better chance at a, at a better life. And I couldn't be more proud. Great. Heather, you know, my situation was similar. Um, the only difference is I worked at Gift of Hope. So I recognized in that moment as tragic as it was that I had to do the right thing because at that moment I was an employee of Gift of Hope. I actually was a wife. I was a mother. I was a daughter-in-law and I was a friend. And so to your point, I definitely had to do the right thing. I had to think beyond my grief at that moment to do the right thing. And so I applaud you uh, for being that donor family and that donor wife that was able to think of others because that gift of hope. Our mission is to save and enhance the lives of as many people as possible through organ and tissue donation. So we definitely applaud all families that can in that moment be selfless and create that lasting legacy, not only for themselves, and their loved ones, but also for complete strangers. So we we definitely thank you for that. As you navigate now creating this lasting legacy uh, for your husband and for your children and for yourself, what are some things, we talked about the donor family, but what are some things that you would like to tell the general public at large about the 30 seconds that it takes to become an organ and tissue donor and why it's so important. Sure. It is so important because I, I know that there are very long lists, uh, waiting lists for people to have, you know, to, to receive gifts and receive donations. And I will tell you that your family if you, if you sign up to become an organ tissue donor, I guess I can't guarantee it, but I will, I will bet that your family will be so very proud of you for being able to, to donate the precious gifts that you have. Because, you know, when we, when our life ends, you know, our, our physical self is really not here. Whatever you believe, you know, your soul, wherever your soul goes, whether it's, you know, whether you're religious and you believe in God or, or however you believe, uh, your physical self is really no longer needed on our earth. And, you know, the one thing that my husband Dan taught me was, you know, there really isn't a, a good reason why you should be buried or cremated with gifts that could help other people. Um, and if you can imagine maybe yourself, maybe you do have a child or yourself or somebody that you know that needs a gift. And, you know, so you're relying on other people to be able to provide, you know, your family with a gift. So you might as well, you know, try to think of it unselfishly and, you know, you would be that, uh, you know, that hero to those people who need the gifts of your loved one or even yourself. So I encourage everyone to become an organ and tissue donor. It's just, it's just the selfless thing to do. The people that are left will really appreciate your decision because again, I feel it, it's such a gift to me that my husband was able to do this for other people. It really is a very quick, very quick process on your driver's license. And I don't think that you're uh, going ever regret you doing that. 
Heather, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I'm truly honored that you chose to come on this podcast and talk about your experience and your husband, Dan, and all the things that Tissue Donation has provided to you. Um, I really hope that this episode can bring comfort to someone experiencing this in the future or in the past, and I really want to reiterate our thanks to you for sharing your story today on Let's Talk Hope. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Hope. We encourage you to start the conversation about organ and tissue donation with your loved ones today and make your wishes known. You can register to become a donor on giftofhope.org or by texting HOPE to 51555.